the landmark Supreme Court case of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey has been overturned. Welcome to another episode of Impolite Company. Before we talk about abortion, I'd like to talk about something else in history. In the 18th and 19th century, slavery, of course, was a legal institution in America. As we know, America was founded in 1776 with, under the idea that every person has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that all men are created equal, and that this was and is self-evident. How then could slavery exist? It was an example of positive law, which is a law that is created by the legislator, that somehow surpassed natural law. This was the conclusion of the Somerset case in Great Britain around the time of the founding. The state of slavery is of such a nature that it is incapable of being introduced on any reasons, moral or political, but only by positive law, which preserves its force long after the reasons, occasions, and the time itself from whence it was created. It is erased from memory. It is so odious that nothing can be suffered to support it but positive law. Whatever inconveniences, therefore, may follow from the decision, I cannot say this case is allowed or approved by the law of England. Lord Mansfield, 1772. Obviously, America has paid a dear price for the original sin of slavery. We fought a bloody civil war that cost the lives of 750,000 of her sons, and we spent a century and a half after the end of that war fighting for civil rights of black Americans and continue to this day to deal with the racial fallout of the institution of slavery, an institution that never should have been. The reasons are twofold. Firstly, it was wrong. In fact, that is where the term rights come from. It's literally the opposite of wrong. Secondly, it is, as Mansfield pointed out, a violation of the natural order of law. There is a hierarchy in law, and natural law is always supreme in comparison to positive law. There is a hierarchy to things in law, and natural law is always supreme in comparison to positive law. At the institution of slavery, a positive law was elevated above the rights of millions of black men and women. Their lives controlled, their liberty stolen, and the pursuit of happiness denied. For this reason, in the historical record, slavery was often referred to as the peculiar institution. The reason that it's called the peculiar institution is because, exactly as I just said, you have this institution that was created by positive law that trumps or supersedes that of natural law, which reverses the hierarchical order of law. In 1973, the Supreme Court, which doesn't have the power to create law, essentially created a new peculiar institution when they said that a woman has a right to have an abortion. Uh, the landmark Supreme Court case of Roe v. Wade, which was decided in 1973, used the 14th Amendment to justify this right to an abortion. And that's why I bring the whole idea of slavery into this conversation. And it, this should make sense here in a second. The 14th Amendment was created by the radical Republicans in Congress in the 1860s to literally overcome another insidious and infamous Supreme Court decision. That Supreme Court decision was Dred Scott v. Sanford. 
in the Dred Scott decision, the facts of the case are this. Dred Scott was a slave that lived in Missouri, and he and his owner moved to the state of Illinois. At the time, Missouri was a slave state, and Illinois was a free state. And so slavery was outlawed and forbidden in the state of Illinois, where Dred Scott moved. Dred Scott said, I'm no longer a slave because I live in a free state and my so-called owner isn't allowed to own me in a free state. So he sued his master for his freedom. And this case went all the way up to the Supreme Court and it was decided that Dred Scott didn't have standing to sue anybody. And the reason for that is because Dred Scott was not a citizen of the United States. Because he was born property and not a person, he was deemed not to be able to even sue somebody at all in the American justice system. And so that overturned some of the previous decisions that said that Dred Scott was free. What's interesting is that the 14th Amendment was specifically crafted to overcome this. The first section of the 14th Amendment says this, that all persons born or naturalized in the United States are citizens of the United States and citizens of the state where they reside. So it gives citizenship to former slaves. I will read you directly from my constitution here. The 14th Amendment. Specifically, it says also that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor to deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. In 1973, in the Roe v. Wade case, the decision stated implicitly that the reason that a woman has a right to an abortion comes directly from what I just read you, the 14th Amendment, that we cannot deny people their liberties, that a woman has a liberty to make a choice as to whether or not she wants to terminate the pregnancy. This was done on such shoddy grounds that that's what this whole controversy has been about. The, the leak of the decision uh that just came out this last week of the Supreme Court where five justices, the conservative justices, uh, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, um, they all are at least thus far on record to being in support of this decision. Roberts, the chief justice, and the other three liberals on the court are uh, in the minority, and they're against this decision, at least so far. Now, that can change, all right? They can change their vote. This is not a final decision. This has not been published, and so it's therefore not finalized yet, which explains the leak. Uh, what, the, what the left is trying to do here is they're going to leak this Supreme Court decision in its first draft in order to, for the rest of society to put all sorts of pressure on the Supreme Court justices. But what Alito does in this decision is he just tears apart this idea that 
we can even use the 14th Amendment in this twisted and perverse way to argue the facts of the case that were that made up the majority of uh, the Roe v. Wade decision and then were you know sustained during Planned Parenthood v. Casey in 1992. And what I find very odd about this is that Democrats, liberals, progressives, whatever you want to call them, they're always quick to point out that they believe in democracy. Yet, if this decision were to be published that we're talking about, then abortion would leave the realm of stare decisis and be placed back into the hands of the people of the several states. Make no mistakes about this. This does not nationwide ban abortion, all right? All that does is it removes it from the federal jurisdiction, right? And we're going to push this back to the 50 state capitals. And then you're going to have states like Texas. You're going to have states like Florida, Tennessee, uh, probably Utah, Wyoming, uh, Montana, South Dakota, red states, right? They're going to decide we're not going to have abortions inside of our state, right? The people who live in that state, they're going to elect their state house of representatives, their state senators, and they're going to get together and they're going to pass a law that just bans abortion. Uh, that what That's what I imagine is going to happen in all of these red states, right? But Blue states like California, Massachusetts, New York, Maryland, Illinois, right? They're going to strengthen abortion rights. They might codify it in their state constitutions. Uh, I know New York's already working on this uh, to make sure that the right of a woman to have an abortion is codified in the state constitution itself. And so I just think it's funny that these so-called Democrats actually don't believe in democracy at all. They want the court to weigh in and tell you, no, this is how it's going to be. We decide. So they, they trounce around and they dress up and they wear a mask and they say, oh, we're democratic, you know, small d democracy. But they don't believe that you should have a choice. They're not for you having a choice. They want to dictate to you how you should spend your life and how everyone else should because they, at the end of the day, are elites and they know better than you do. They're progressive, you see. The 14th Amendment and the Due Process and Equal Protection Clause was a very shaky argument to make to sustain Roe v. Wade. And Justice Alito does a fantastic job in this draft decision tearing this apart. He goes all the way back to common law, back to the 13th century in English common law, and demonstrates quite aptly that there's never been a right to an abortion. In fact, it was criminal um, for a person to kill a child inside of a mother uh, for most of human history. So the problem that they have is there must be found somewhere in the Constitution the right for an abortion if the 14th Amendment is to uphold it. And Roe and Casey never discuss where this place is in the Constitution. You can go through here, all right? <laughs> you, you can go through this book. That right is never there. The Constitution does not talk about abortion, either for or against it. I would argue that the Constitution... In, argues that you we have to protect life. We can find this in the Declaration of Independence that 
what you know we hold these truths to be self-evident all men are created equal that are endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness that to secure these rights governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed that's the purpose of government is to protect the rights of individual people among which is are you ready for this life the constitution in the 14th amendment in the 5th amendment it it says the same thing that a person has a right to life liberty and property that you can't take those things away without due process of law i would argue that abortion should not even be considered under those premises the fifth amendment and the 14th amendment argue very strongly in that case all right what another thing that the 14th amendment achieved that is never talked about is it overturned another supreme court case which was baron v baltimore back in 1833 what baron v baltimore said is that the Bill of Rights, the so-called Bill of Rights, you know, that came out of the first Congress when James Madison was Speaker of the House, right? He wrote most of them. We're talking the First Amendment, Second Amendment, Third Amendment, Fourth Amendment, all the way up to the Eighth Amendment specifically that deals with individual people, okay? The Ninth Amendment and the Tenth Amendment deal with the rights of the states themselves, okay? So the first eight amendments apply to individual people all right we have plenty of supreme court precedent that suggests that what baron v baltimore said is that that bill of rights that i just listed off there applies only to the federal government and it does not apply to states this was readdressed in the 14th amendment and the, one of the major things that the 14th amendment did was it forced the states to also be in compliance with the Bill of Rights. So that was an important aspect of it, all right? So until the latter part of the 20th century, there was no support in American law for a constitutional right to an abortion. Zero, none. No state constitutional provision had recognized such a right as what Alito writes. In fact, he was even going through some of the journals the law journals uh, of colleges and law universities uh, law schools all around the country and he couldn't even find in the journals any i this idea that a woman had a right to an abortion until 1968 just a few years before roe v wade was decided uh, abortion is not found in anything prior to the constitution we have these wonderful books called like blackstone's commentary it's a it's a big huge legal uh volume that describes law the english law system nowhere in there can you find this so-called right to an abortion and because it violates the very premises of natural law which was very well founded in not just the American founding and framing of the Constitution, but predates that all the way back to ancient Greece, really, but it also makes up a huge portion of English common law. Um, and so this idea that an abortion is a somehow natural or human right is absurd on its face, and everybody knows it. And so I'm happy to see this decision uh, being made, I suspect that the pressure that is being put upon the justices to overturn this uh, so-called draft decision to sort of force either, you know, yeah, I 
they're going to need one or two justices to go with the uh, present minority, you know, Chief Justice Roberts and uh, the liberal justices. I, I don't see that happening. If, if anything, I wouldn't be surprised if John Roberts jumped ships to, quote, be on the right side of history here. Um, and you might have a six to three uh, decision coming out of this. I know John Roberts is really upset about how this was leaked. And that's a, that's another huge discussion because these drafts that they create when they decide these laws, right? You always have a different justice authoring all these different decisions, right? These drafts need to go to not just all the other justices for review, but the people that work for them, right? All the aides, the staff, um, they need to be able to be trusted with this sort of stuff. And the fact that this leaked out is just, you know, a huge um, disrespectful act to that trust that, that is so important for this court um, and how this whole process um, is supposed to unfold. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. But, you know, I like, I've, I've been asked how this whole thing's going to work. You know, this has been a victory. Make no mistakes about this. This is a major victory for the pro-life movement here. But it's, we want a battle. It's a major battle. We want a major battle, but the war is not over. The war won't be over until we codify in all of our laws this idea that you have a fundamental right as a human being made in the image and created in the image of God to life and we should not rest until that is the law of the land across all 50 states. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Impolite Company, presented by The Doc Line. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate our podcast and leave a five-star review for us.